Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was her pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. So light up your cigar. It's time for... I never saw that. Breathe it in, breathe it out. It's smoke. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It's just we used to do things like that more often. You know, like make up little songs at the beginning. I've never done anything quite like that. You absolutely have. And we haven't done it in a while, so I thought I'd give it a try. Based on your response, I think it didn't go very well. It was a success. We're talking about the movie Smoke from 1995. Yeah, because it stars William Hurt, and he died this week. Yes, he did. Rest in peace, William Hurt. So we're trying to do a reverse of the curse. We used to do a lot of episodes, and then people would die right after. Happened so many times. Twice. Happened two times that we talked about someone, and then they died. John Mahoney and... One other person. It's it's hard to keep track because there were so many. Yeah. Um, yeah. Watching this, I actually found myself wondering if I'd ever seen another William Hurt movie. Oh, really? Like, I'm very familiar with him, you know, and his face and everything, but I can't think of a movie I've seen with him Kiss in Kiss of it. the Spider Woman? You never saw that? The what? Kiss of the Spider Woman? No. It's amazing. Never seen Altered it. Altered States? No. Don't see that. Okay. Gave me nightmares. It's really fucked up and weird. Um, is he in uh, The Big Chill? Yeah. Is he in that? Okay, mm-hmm. I never saw it. But my mom loved that movie. Hey, that's the name of the podcast. I never saw that is actually the name of the podcast. I said oh, I never okay. saw it. Ah. Uh, so. And it's not in our timeline. No, I know. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to name different movies that he's in. He was in The Incredible Hulk and a couple of the other Marvel movies as well. The new ones? Yeah, he played a general guy. Seriously? Yeah. General Ross, I think. Oh, okay. Well, then I have seen that, but I don't remember him. Anyway, big actor. Uh, well, good, good size, actor. I think. Very good actor. Died. So, there so you have it. That's, to watch Smoke. that's why we picked this movie. It's um, an interesting movie. It's different than a lot of stuff we've done, I feel like. Yeah. It is different, as in better than a lot of the stuff we've done, I would say. Um, Better, but also very, I feel like very mid-90s New York movie. It felt like a very new, and I, and it's set in Brooklyn, but I just mean like. Like the city is a character. Yeah, and it feels like a New York. So it's it's based on a story by Paul Auster, who's a New York author. And actually, William Hurt's character plays Paul Benjamin who's clearly basically Paul Paul Oster. Oster. Uh Um, And it just feels like a New York movie. Very, I don't know. It feels like one of those movies that's like, they just talk a lot. Oh, it felt like a play. It absolutely felt like a play to me in the beginning, especially like everyone was perfectly positioned. It was like, like you have your marks on a stage, you know, there's a word for that that I, don't remember maybe it's just marks but it just seemed like people were perfectly posed like in the cigar shop 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. So I, I actually wondered if it was a play originally, but apparently not. It was originally, this comes up near the end of the movie, but Paul Benjamin in the movie um, says that he has been contacted. He's a writer and he's been contacted by the New York Times to write a Christmas story. And that is from a Paul Auster thing he wrote for the New York Times called Augie Wren's Christmas Story. Man, can I just say, New York Times, if you're listening, I am sick of hearing from you. You know, don't you have any other writers you can ask to write stuff? I mean, I am just getting bombarded with oh, I calls see what you're and doing. stuff from the New York Times oh, yeah. all the time. Paper of record, Jen. That would be a feather in your cap if you wrote for that. What did you say? It's the paper of record. How's the work going these days, Maestro? Fine. Or was until a couple days ago. I got a call from a guy from the New York Times. They want me to write a Christmas story. They want to publish it on Christmas Day. That's a feather in your cap, man. The paper of record. Yeah, it's great, except I have to come up with something in four days. And I haven't got a single idea. Um, also starring Harvey Keitel as Augie, the cigar yep. shop owner where everybody hangs out and talks. Mm-hmm. And there's all these... Everyone kind of revolves around him. He's sort of... staged and pretentious conversations that are awkward and not... Not awkward, but just aren't realistic. Like, people... Some of the dialogue feels super realistic, and then there are other things that just feel really put it on. It feels like, like a, a play. play. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I, I didn't find the dialogue unrealistic. I just found the... It was more like... The staging felt like staging. Yeah, and a lot of monologues, a lot of opportunities for people to tell stories that are very clever, and Mm. there's always a twist and a surprise. Like when? Like like Paul has a couple stories that he tells different characters at the time and explains these things from history. He's a writer. It's very clear he's a writer. (laughs) Everything he says and does, he's a knowledgeable, learned man. Not that I hated it, but I just, you know. I liked um, it. I actually really liked it. And I it's got a great cast. I mean, yeah. you already said Harvey Keitel. Stockard Channing. Stockard Channing. Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. My God. He is so affecting. Yeah. Like, I just, that, the scene with him, well, there were a few scenes, but the the sort of, like, climax with him was so, I think I wrote in my notes, like, oh, this is the most emotional movie we've watched, I think. Which I'm not sure if that's true, because there was um, Foxfire, which was very emotional. Mm. Cool Runnings was pretty emotional. Well, in a very different way. Slow clap. Where I was like, the best movie. (laughs) Speaking of Cool Runnings, we see Malik Yoba. Oh, yeah. Make an appearance in this film. Which, by the way, I saw the name at the beginning, and I was like, Malik Yoba, that sounds familiar. And Micah didn't even say, yeah, he was in Cool Runnings. I didn't. The best movie. But as soon as she saw him, she knew. Giancarlo Esposito. Oh, yeah. Very, very small part, but yes. Um, Uh, And then Jared Harris. Who's that? Jared Harris was... um, Oh. He was in Mad Men. He was in The Terror, which I just finished watching the first season of, which I really enjoyed. He was great. He plays Lane in Mad Men. Yes. He hangs himself. Sorry. Spoiler. (laughs) Um, Uh, Jared Harris is great. He had a really small, weird part in this. He plays like a developmentally disabled kid. Yeah, who like hangs out at the shop I mean, kid, I don't know how old he was at this time. He's, he was probably in his 20s, I guess. And then Harold Perrineau is Mm -hmm. in it. And he was very young. Yeah. So he must be our age, like almost exactly. He says 
like his character turned 17 right. in the film. So he was probably a little older than that, I'm yeah. guessing. But yeah, it was cool to see him as such a young person. Yeah. And then Ashley Judd. Oh my um, God. Is on screen God, for about a two minutes. Huge cast, my Lord. And she made the poster somehow. Um, yeah, weird. It's really weird. She's not. I feel like this is another one of those movies where there was a, an an extended cut or something, you know, like like a bunch of scenes or explanations were cut because her whole thing did not. It seems like there was more to that originally, especially if she was on the poster. It's very there's a lot of interwoven vignettes and they're all named like each section is named after a different character and it tells their story. But it doesn't just tell their story. It starts off with a different well, most of them story, do tell their and story. And then comes back to them a little bit. Except the one about Ruby, who was played by Stockard Channing. That one went all over the place. Yeah. The rest of them were actually about the character. I thought that was really weird. I don't, I don't, again, it's almost like they added or, or like, they, I feel like just stuff was cut. I think there were conversations that were cut. I think there were scenes that were cut. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. I should have looked that up. I didn't. The know. editing is very strange too, because there are scenes, there's a scene right at the end where, I know exactly what you're going to say. Harvey Keitel, Augie, is telling the story yes. to yes. Paul. And he's, so Paul's looking for this thing, a Christmas story to write in the New York Times. And Augie's like, I got tons of Christmas stories. Take me out to lunch. I'll tell you one. And he takes him out to lunch. He's telling the story. And the last few lines of the story is like extreme close up on his eyes. And then well, it no. goes down to his mouth. Yeah, and they then, zoom in on Harvey Keitel's face. And then, and then, an then extreme his mouth. Close on Close up on William Hurt's eyes right. as he's listening to the end. Which, at first I was like, why? Why are they doing this? But I feel like, I don't know. The, what I ended up feeling about it was that it was um, at least an attempt at a sort of intimacy that I don't, I don't know whether it was really successful or not. But I think it was, I don't know. I don't know how to articulate what I mean. I mean, obviously showing the eyes. It's like, yeah. you know, the eyes are the window to the soul. And all that. And he that. was, he had like an emotional response that you can read in his eyes. Yeah. The mouth part. Well, I don't know. I, I, it's interesting to watch just someone's mouth, I guess. That's yeah. where the words are coming from. But he's the storyteller in that moment. And there's a question at the end about whether any of the story was true. Which I still don't know. And it drives me nuts not knowing. I think it's very Paul Auster, too. I think they, that actually fits for me really well. Paul Auster also wrote. He's best known for writing the New York trilogy, and I've never read any of his other stuff, I don't think. Were those, is that also movies? Or no, movie? it's oh. a, a, a trilogy of novels that are very short, and they're all, like now, if you get it from the library or something, they're all in one book. And they're very, they're related, but they're very postmodern. And Okay, what do you mean by that? Because I feel like that's one of those words that has no fucking meaning anymore. Like the first, I think it's the first one is about Paul Auster, the author. He, that's a character. Paul Auster, the author, is a character in the book. And he's referred mm -hmm. to that way. and Or Paul Auster, the writer, I don't know. And then there's Paul Auster, the detective or something else. Like it's... So he's just he, writing about different identities. It's kind of like he, a detective novel, but it's not a detective novel. He uses that framework a little bit. Um, but it's very, it's like Paul Oster, the author is writing the story that you're reading right now. It's like that Italo Calvino book. Did you ever read that? Once Upon a Winter Night, no. The Traveler or whatever it is. It's very similar. It's like referring, you know, there's a lot of meta stuff going on. And then the second one is about 
these detectives who are or like people who are spies who are surveilling each other. They're all named mm. different colors and they're surveilling each other and they don't know it that the other ones are failing them too. This still does not answer the question what the fuck does postmodern really mean? I I feel like I've never really understood that that term. I I feel I think I've used it like back in the early 2000s I probably used it a lot, but now I feel like I don't anyway, it doesn't matter. We don't have to get into a whole thing about it. I just I just it's one of those words to me that's like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and I might be wrong. They might be post-structuralist. I'm not sure where exactly they fit but <laughs> yes well they're just very like they're very self-referential right yeah talking meta. about the the form that they're in and commenting meta. on that and meta is expanding a the form and yeah part of postmodernism. yeah kind of right so that's a good way for me to think of it and so i think paul oster a lot of his stuff is about storytelling and telling stories and so his characters do that a lot in there and then he's commenting on the act of storytelling paul Benjamin is the storyteller that's in the movie that everyone turns to that he, mm-hmm. he tells a lot of stories, but then at the end it switches and Augie becomes the storyteller. Right. And interestingly, this all came from a real person, supposedly Augie, that told him this story and it was published in the New York Times called Augie Wait, Wren's so that Christmas was Story. Real? I thought it was all fiction. Which part? All of it. I thought that <laughs> I thought that Paul Oster wrote a story for the New York Times, it, the Christmas story. Okay. No, again, it's all very like. No, the... no, I know. Like, let me finish my thought. So in the movie, he says, "I need to write a Christmas story," and Augie says, "I have a story for you," and he tells him the story. And but the original story he wrote was exactly that, right? That he, that he needed a story. Yep. For the New York Times, yep. and then this guy, Augie, told sat him. down with him and told him a story. And but, it was that story. And it was that same story, but the story's not real. Is it? Well, I, that's what I don't know, and it I hate... That's the question. I the absolutely end. hate not knowing that kind well, of thing. Well, then you'd hate Paul Oster because yeah. so much of it is about not knowing. Which and I I do, I appreciate that, like, in uh, in theory, I appreciate that. Uh, in practice, I really fucking hate it. It It is so, I can't move, I cannot get beyond it in my head when, yeah. I, when I don't know or understand something. So intentionally making something vague is one of those things that is like, ah, fuck you for me. <laughs> yeah, if you're not expecting it, it can be really unsettling and distracting. So are we just, I mean, it seems like we're just doing this and that you're skipping your segment. Oh, my segment. I forgot. Let's do it. Should we? Yeah, I have a great one this week. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. September 12th, 1994. We're going back to an old favorite, Jen. And the reason is... (sighs) Because you couldn't find any other ones. Yeah, because the the access that I have to old newspapers is kind of limited. You have to pay for these things. We've talked about this before. Yeah, it's extremely difficult to find old comic strips. I found a little treasure trove, but they only have, it's some little newspaper. Mm -hmm. And they only have like the same 10 comics that they run all the time. And this is one of those. So I'm stuck with that. And so today you're getting another The Born Loser. 
Oh, sweet, 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 yeah. sweet. So it's three we've panels. We've only done one of those, right? I think uh, I think we've done two or three, but no, yeah, we've done maybe. one. I don't know. Somebody, whoever is working on the wiki, just go ahead and get back <laughs> to us on that. You know, keeping track of these things. Okay, let's do it. Three panels tonight. Can you handle it? Yep. I'm not going to hold up my fingers. You're just going to have to keep track here. Micah, okay? I can count to three. I know, but you also get stuck and go back and get confused when I talk a bunch in between your counting. Mm-hmm. You know? So, mm-hmm. panel one, you ready? No. They're in a car, the born loser. I'm sorry, I... who's they? Let me tell you something. Okay, I was saying, I was literally you... saying who's okay, in the car when but you interrupted I do wanna... me. I have a bone to pick with you, as okay, they say. Okay, I'm going to remind our listeners about something. This is something Jen does when we're watching movies, not just for this podcast or TV shows or other things. Something will happen in a movie or TV show, and you know writers, how they're clever, and they don't come out and explain things all right away. Sometimes they take a beat, and then a character says something and fills you in. Jen will watch the movie, wait, wait, the person's explaining it. <laughs> Micah, off. what the fuck is going on? Hey, Micah, I don't know. How about you rewind? Why don't you, you go eat your own balls? <laughs> I know. You don't know what I was going to say. I wasn't asking about the comic. Okay? So uh, shut your fucking when I, face. When I said they're sitting in a car and you said, who the fuck are they? Yeah, you but that's not. You were not the comic. No, You're, listen to me. That's not my. Did somebody run by behind me? <laughs> what I'm saying is you've really sort of drop the ball a little bit lately in terms of like the detail. Okay, I see where you're going. You know, like you yeah. haven't been giving me as much information as you did in the beginning. Like I can't necessarily picture like you you just now. So, back in the day when we started this, you know, like 10 comics ago, not very long ago or whatever, you would be like there's a there's a person whose nose is this shaped He's, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that I really could picture so it. So let me just go back here. Because let I me, don't get to see it. Let me think. They're sitting in a car. That's five. So I got five oh. words in and I haven't given enough detail yet. No. That's a good note. I'll I'll. You started out better. there sitting in a car. Mm-hmm. That's horrible. where I was starting. Horrible my, start. My painting my word And picture. it's horrible. Okay. It was horrible. And that's the feedback I have for you. Okay, I'll, let me start over Start then. again. You don't, want it, don't say they. What I'm hearing is you want more research into who the characters are, their backstories, and more detail. And you want this no. whole segment to be longer. Don't be an ass. Maybe three quarters of the podcast. I, I don't do want that. that at all. <laughs> I just want to be able to picture it since I'm not allowed to see it. Okay, just to clarify, when I said I can do that, I wasn't responding to your last comment, which was don't be an ass, because I cannot do that. I Clearly. Okay, here we go. I'm going to start over. Thank you. The first panel is a square. <laughs> and there are Wait, is pencil it a square, drawings. Actually, or a rectangle? It is a square. It's okay, a square. Okay, see, are, now that's interesting. There are pencil drawings in the square. Um, <laughs> it's just like a line drawing. It's mono, like monochrome. It's black and white. Um, oh, God. We, and uh, at the top, you're insufferable. There's a speech bubble. And the speech bubble has. Um, it's like there's a little pointy part that goes down to the one character's head. And then above that, there's a space. So from the pointy part, it goes up and around like this. Are you seeing what I'm doing with my hands, Jen? Because they can't see, but I'm, so I'm just doing this for you. It's better if you open your eyes. <laughs> Sorry, I was <laughs> hoping I could maybe sleep through this. 
I, I, I realize I did it to myself. It's my <laughs> own fault. You are an asshat, and I, I asked for it. Just can you just? I get it. Okay. okay. So there's so two, the, two the people are in a car. I, I'm guessing the born loser is sitting in a car with a hat on, a little like fedora type hat, a little frumpy looking. He's got two hands on a steering wheel in front of him, mm-hmm. and um, his wife or his passenger. I don't know who it is, but I'm assuming it's his wife, just based on the you know, tenor of their conversation. Uh-huh. Um, she, sorry, spoilers, but um, she is sitting next to him. She's wearing a black sweater, cardigan maybe. Okay. Um, so just totally black. And she <laughs> is talking. There's a rear view mirror in between them that you can see. What's We're her looking. hair like? Her hair is, she has kind of bangs, but they're kind of split to the sides, like, you know, at the same time. Maybe it's just that her hair is longer, but it's going back and then it's tucked behind her ears because it's about, it's not quite shoulder length. Mm. It's not curly though? Nope, just straight hair. Um, And she's much taller than the Born Loser. She's sitting up like her head's almost to the ceiling. It's a tiny fucking car too, by the way. They're (laughs) sitting like shoulder to shoulder, like crammed in there. It's like a little Nash Metropolitan or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what that is. We're looking, it's a very small car. Yeah, I, I did get that. You do know what it is. It's okay. in Cobra Kai. Yeah. It's one of Mr. Miyagi's cars that he left to to Daniel. It's the little one at the end. I don't remember that. You'll notice it next time. Okay. Dude. Are we on the second panel yet? No, this is all first panel. Jesus Christ. So we're looking head on, like straight through the car from the... We're like on the hood, basically. Okay. Looking back, we can see them talking. And the passenger says... That is the most paranoid statement I have ever heard. Exclamation point. She's very mm-hmm, upset. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Second panel. Ready? Same drawing, basically, but the born loser is a little angry now. How can you tell? Because his eyes, well, the... His eyebrows, like, slanted down. So the I... eyebrow and eyes, like, the dark blobs that are <laughs> near his nose, like, uh, right above his nose, yeah, are more, yeah. are bigger. Okay. <laughs> And darker. Yeah. And his mouth is open a little bit. His mouth before was just a tiny little straight line. Mm -hmm. And now it's like an egg shape. And it's filled in black. Oh, fascinating. He looks really angry, though. Is his nose crumpled, too? I think it's just the eyes. There's a whole bunch. And they're not like, you know, this comic artist isn't like, you know, they're not a hack. They're not going to draw downward pointed eyebrows like I would if I was making an angry pumpkin on on a jack-o'-lantern thing, you know? mm -hmm. There's a little nuance there, but I can tell that he's annoyed. Wow. And he says, I am not being paranoid. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay? I like the voice. That was second panel. Yeah. That really brought life to it. Third panel. Thank God. It's been a long journey getting here. It has. It was going to be much shorter. I know. I Uh, know. Third panel. We are looking in through the passenger window, okay? So it's a pretty tight shot of just their heads. We get a little bit of Ooh, shoulder. Ooh, new perspective. Yeah, totally new perspective. And we're looking past the passenger's face. Would you call it postmodern? Face. No. Okay. Not in any way. <laughs> um, past the passenger's face, yeah. Yeah, and we see the driver sitting behind her looking at her now, and he's very upset because um, his eyes are still, I can see eyebrows. And um, his hand... There's a steering wheel there still. <laughs> it looks like he took his hands off the steering wheel. They're both on the steering wheel, like, you know, 10 and 2 at the beginning and the first his two panels. Hands. On this one, there's no right hand that's visible, or maybe there is, 
I don't I don't know which hand that is, but he's pointing and his hand looks like a like a really shitty balloon animal. Like if you didn't know what you're doing. Yeah. Or like Play-Doh uh-huh. that you threw on the ground. It's just like That's a blob, what his hand looks like? Okay. Uh-huh. But there's a finger coming out of it. And he's pointing at her? So it's got to be his right hand, but it looks like it's coming out of his neck. <laughs> yeah. So, no, he's pointing straight ahead. And the reason he's pointing straight ahead. <gasps> now, do you remember what she said? I sure do. She said that's the most paranoid yeah, statement I've no, ever heard. I do he said, remember. I'm not being paranoid. Yep. He's pointing straight ahead and he says, I tell you, that car in front of us is following us. Oh, boy. Oh. See you in the funny paper soon. Well, thank you, as always, for that. Yeah, if anybody can fill us in, if, like, The Born Loser is your favorite comic and you love it, um, if you could fill us in on the character names or something or just tell us that we're jack wagons for making fun of your favorite comic, something jack like that. Jack wagon? Yeah. Did you just make that up? No. I've never heard that. Really? I've never heard the phrase jack wagon, and I'm a big fan of it. It's pretty great. I'm a big fan. I'm a really big fan. How come I've never heard that? You're saying people say that, like regular people? I've read it recently in regard to people who still aren't vaccinated and are complaining about not being able to do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. I'm fucking, I hate, I hate people. Um, But not the people in this movie. Pretty good cast. Because for the most part, and actually, yeah, they're all pretty okay people now that I think about it. There's nobody, there's no, like, villain. Uh, I guess there's kind of the villain. Malik Yoba is kind of the villain, but he has a very small part, actually, in the film. Like, he plays a big part in the story, but. Yeah, but it's real weird the way it goes, but. Yeah. Yeah, but everybody's sort of. They're all protagonists, right, of their own stories. I mean, that's the point. And the story, the actual plot of the film isn't. There isn't much there. It's more about the characters and their experiences and the city. And their and relationships. Their relationships. And yeah, that's it's all about and that. And how lives intersect. You know, yeah. it's that whole thing. Um, directed by Wayne Wang. And it was made in 1995. But it's set in the summer of 1990. Right. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. We talked about it all. Great. Well, <laughs> thank you for joining us. And um, you know what one of my first notes was? You can go for it. I wrote down, well, first of all, I wrote down sweaty William Hurt because he was really sweaty at first. It was summertime in New York. You know how it is. It's muggy and Mm -hmm. a lot of unbuttoned shirts. I write, I wrote, ah, so he's like a super knowledgeable dude. Is he going to give a bunch of speeches? Mm. Question mark. Which is interesting because you, you already pointed out the fact that yes, he does. He does do that. Okay. So let me just tell the plot that there's no plot, but there is a plot. As as it were, the, um, you're out stuck on this tree branch that I, you climbed that out upon. That is how I feel right now, and I'm not helping you. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So basically, uh, Harold Perrineau, this, who plays Rashid, well, Rashid is the name he gives him at first, yeah. so I'll call him Rashid. But his real name is Thomas Cole. But anyway, Rashid saves his life. So you find saves out Paul's life. Yeah, William Hurt's character, Paul. You find out in the beginning from Harvey Keitel telling the dudes that hang out in his cigar shop that William Hurt is a writer. Famous author. Famous author. He's like a big, smart dude and all that. Um, But that his wife, well, his wife was killed. Remember the whole dub out here on 7th Avenue a few years back? You mean the back, right? They're spraying bullets all over the street? And that's it. Four people got killed and one of them was Paul's wife. Oh, man. 
The poor lug. He's never been the same since. The funny thing was, she stopped in here just before it happened. In yeah. a shooting, right? Yeah. Ugh, Outside yeah. the cigar shop. Yeah, and she was pregnant. Like and years so ago. He, um, which gave the whole movie to me like Fisher King vibes, even though. Oh, wow. Which is also a New York yeah. movie that, I, I mean, this is a much, much lighter. Yeah. I don't know if actually there's much in common at all, but I think William Hurt also kind of reminds me of Jeff Bridges a little mm. bit. And so I thought a lot about the Fisher King during this movie. Anyway, so he's been like a broken man ever, ever since his uh, wife died. And their unborn child. That that next book that everybody's waiting for. Right, because that's the only measure of... Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he's wandering around, lost in thought. And he, like, wanders in front of a truck. And Rashid pushes him out of the way, saves his life. And then he's like, oh, let me do something nice for you. So he takes him out. And he gives him three glasses of lemonade. And then (laughs) Rashid is like... It's very hot. And then apparently he doesn't have a place to live, which Micah says... Is supposed it's supposed to be understood that they had that conversation because they've been sitting there for a long time, but they didn't show us that conversation. And to me it seemed like Paul, this old white dude, was making an assumption about this young black kid and the fact that he like didn't have a place to stay. But you're Clearly giving that, them though. you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. That's yeah. how it but that's how it came across to me in the movie. But he would never like that's a weird assumption to make, even if you are super racist. Like, he's specifically racist in that he thinks all black people are homeless? I don't know. I couldn't figure out why he said that. So I will give you that it's weird in a movie where they take so much time to explain everything in conversation. It's yeah, weird that exactly. they, they cut that out. But They, they cut that so out, they, and that's exactly They tell it. them, like, he saves them. They're standing on the sidewalk. Paul says, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And he's like, I don't drink coffee. And he says, okay, how about a cold lemonade? So, or he tells them, I think, I would drink a yeah, cold lemonade. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So that scene ends when they're out on the sidewalk. And then the next scene is them inside the restaurant at a diner. Yeah. And there are three empty, huge glasses in front right. of him to show that time has passed. Time has passed. And they yes, did that I know. specifically I get it. because when you drink lemonades at a restaurant and then they bring you another one, they usually take the other glass. So they left those there for us, the viewer, to know that time has passed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they also didn't show them walking in and opening the door. Micah, why don't you? You're in a really like dick mood tonight. Is something I've noticed about this whole conversation so far is that you're being like a real dick about the things that I'm saying. You're right. I'm sorry. I just I thought it was a really weird assumption and a huge jump to be like, is he racist? Because he just assumes he's homeless. I'm like, no. They had a conversation no, I mean, that we didn't see. It's I. <laughs> I just, like, why not show... I, I don't know. I don't understand why they show the parts they do and they don't show the other parts. Like, that seems like a really significant... I don't know. Whatever. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they didn't show that part, but he doesn't have a place to stay. So he starts staying with him. And then you find out he's, like, on the run from these two dudes because he stole some robbery money. And then, like, he is in search of his father, and his father is Forrest Whitaker. And then um, Harvey Keitel owns a cigar shop, and he has an ex-lover, and she's Stalker Channing, and she wears a fucking eye patch. And they have a daughter, maybe, who's Ashley Judd, who is, by the way, a fucking mess. Uh, (laughs) And that's pretty much the movie. Wait, do you mean she's a mess? Like, she's strung out on, like, heroin and... Yeah. Maybe pregnant, but just had an abortion and yeah. um, her 
boyfriend or the father of her dad is a really scary dude. The father of the her fr- dad? The father of her child is a really scary dude. Or do you mean that she's a mess and that she was like reading her lines and overacting really like the oh hardest you are that so, anyone's ever you're so hard on overacted? Women actors. No, I was going to say the same thing about Forrest Whitaker. He really chews the scenery in some scenes, but in other scenes, he's fucking amazing in this movie. I, and I love Forrest Whitaker, but there were a few times where I was like, they, they could have used a different take because he was just trying so hard on that one. I didn't feel that way at all about either one of them, actually. But she was a mess. I don't think she is Harvey Keitel's. I, it was unclear. Daughter. Well, there's... Stockard Channing at the end was like, there's a 50-50 chance. Yeah, but so I feel it, like she, she said might that be. because... So the other, like, the plot part of the movie, the only plot that, like, really exists, kind of, other than... Is him finding his father? Know. No, it's... So Harvey Keitel has... The only, like, device to move the story along is Harvey Keitel owns a cigar shop and he has this deal where he's getting a bunch of Cuban cigars and mm-hmm. he's going to sell them to all the judges in Brooklyn or something and the cops and stuff. And so he invests all his money. He saved up $5,000 for several years. He buys a bunch of Cuban cigars. He ends up hiring Rashid or Thomas um, because Augie asks him to. And he's just sweeping up around the shop. And one day he's mopping and he fills up the mop bucket and leaves the sink running. And it overflows and goes all over the cigars. Because if you have $5,000 worth of Cuban cigars, you store them under the sink Right in under the, back the sink. In, in cardboard boxes stacked on top of each other. Yeah. Strangely. That was all of Augie's money. How much was it again, Jen? It was $5,000, oh, Micah. that's exactly how much money Rashid stole, Rashid stole from, from the Steelers. and that other person. $5,000. That's Who, so weird. Who, by the way, also end up dead. And you just see it in a flash. Yeah. It's so They weird. just show a newspaper. They just show a newspaper and it's like, oh, are we supposed Two to be jewel stoked thieves dead that in these heist. people are dead? Yeah, like it, it was, it, it was like, oh, well, we wrapped up that part of the story. They're not. Anyway. Um. Yeah, so Rashid. Yeah, it was very convenient. He happened feels to terrible. have. He gives him the $5,000. The exact amount of money that he needed. Ruby, Harvey Keitel's long lost lover, who shows has an up eye patch. Back in town. <laughs> yeah, with an eye patch <laughs> after many years at sea with Blackbeard. <laughs> yeah. um, she shows up back in town with an eye patch and a story about this girl that might be his daughter. And they go to meet her and she totally rejects him. She's like, no, he's. Get him the fuck out of here. She's He's like, not you my dad. actually slept with this yeah. guy? Oh, um, which is pretty funny. So then they're walking later, Ruby and, and Augie. And Augie, who just got the money from Thomas, Thomas felt bad for ruining the cigars. So he gives his $5,000 to Augie. Yeah. And Augie then gives that money to Ruby. Did he give her all the money? Yeah, to get her, to get their daughter into yeah. Felicity, that's her name, into oh, rehab. Right. right. And Ruby takes it and doesn't say she's going to give it to Felicity or do anything good with it. Yeah. How do you know it was for rehab? He said that? Well, I don't remember that. He said, like, you have to get her into rehab. You have to do this. You, like, so he just gave up his business basically then because, like, that I mean, was a like, really huge yeah, loss. He still has his business and he still has, like, he's just, that was his big deal he was going to make. He was going to turn yeah. a huge profit. He was going to, that was yeah. going to be a big life-changing thing for him. <sighs> yeah. So, I mean... If you've ever seen a movie like that has different sections and little vignettes about people whose paths cross, like that's what this movie is. Um, I don't know that we need to say a whole lot more about things that like the plot, but I did think about some certain things watching it. One thing that's that is really cool is that um, Harvey Keitel's character, Augie, 
he has a photo project that he does. So he takes a picture every single morning. With the 4,000 pictures of the same place. The corner of 3rd Street and 7th Avenue at 8 o'clock in the morning. 4,000 straight days in all kinds of weather. And he just has like thousands of them now. He's been doing it for like 10 years or something. And it's really cool. It's just a really neat sort of project. Uh, and it made me think about the fact that like photography used to be so unique. It used to be like a thing that some people did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody kind of had a camera and could take and would take shitty pictures. But like <laughs> to actually take photos. And now and everyone has a camera that's what and I'm takes saying. shitty pictures. Well, no, but yeah. people, but it's also very easy to take good pictures yeah. with an iPhone that you carry around in your pocket. Like it's not as, I mean, I love photos and I love photography still, but I don't feel like it has the magic that it used to mm. have, you know, like that ability to capture a moment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we all have that ability. I don't know. I just don't, I just was struck by that watching him. It was like, oh, this is really... I don't know. Yeah. And it's, I, I I really like that too, because it's, apparently that's part of the real story too. Augie, the Augie that is in the story that yeah. was in the New York Times really did that. And he shows Paul Oster those photographs and he does the same thing that he does in the movie where he's flipping through and he's like, oh, that's really neat. Augie, you take the same picture every time. Yeah. There's like 4,000 no, of them. No, but he's like, why? And he says. They're all exactly the same. He says, you got to slow down and you're not going to get it. And then Which, he starts I mean, to get there's it. a metaphor, I guess. Which makes sense if you're like in New York. But maybe. they're beautiful. They're like they're terrible they're really pictures. Cool. They're not they're just like yeah, people but it's passing just, by blurry. But yeah. it's like you see the changes. You see some of the same people. You see the light change over yeah. the seasons. You see different yeah. weather. You see like yeah, some of the same people for a while. And then it's different people. And anyway, it's a cool it's really a cool project. And he does it just for himself. I mean, he just has this like he has photo albums full of these photos. He doesn't... I was kind of hoping that there was going to be like an art show at the end or that they were going to go somewhere with it. But also, why does that have to be a thing too? Like you can also just make art for yourself. Yeah. And um, yeah, I thought I thought that was really cool. Supposedly these photos are really out there somewhere because it was a real guy and a true story-ish maybe. Mm-hmm. But he that's where... The it kind of wraps up to the end too. Like he shows them the pictures, and then the story he tells, the Christmas story he tells, right, 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 is, is about how he story. got the, his first camera. Yeah, and he, which we'll tell it later. Yeah, so he gets the camera from there, and that's why he. It's the only camera he's ever owned, and that's why he started taking those pictures. No, he said his first camera. Yeah, he said my first, my first camera, the only camera I've ever owned. Oh, he did say yeah. that. Oh. Here's another thing I thought about watching this is that. I think there should still be smoke shops. Are there still smoke shops? I'm sure there are. I feel like maybe they're all vape shops now, but Ugh. that's a different but vibe. Like places, you know, <laughs> where you can go, where people who smoke yeah. can go and hang out and smoke. Like, it's kind of... I don't know. I don't really know if you irritates, can smoke inside I don't anymore. think so. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, it, it's kind of, it bothers me a little bit that we have basically like shunned people who... Yeah. Enjoy smoking whatever they're smoking. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are still states you can. Yeah, but I just feel like there should be a place where you can go and sit in a room with people and enjoy a cigar or a cigarette or whatever, you know, indoors and make that decision for yourself. Like, it's like anything else. Like, we, I, I, I'm not anti, I mean, I, I like that we can't smoke inside. You know, I think that's a good and like healthy thing, but, um, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes we go overboard with 
Yeah. I'm sure there Things are like still that. some places like it, could, it has like to be a, a lounge, private club a or, something, or something or like they have to, there's some loophole that they can do it. But it's also, I think from a public health standpoint, it's like totally worth it. I mean, it's probably saves trillions of dollars every year and health outcomes are better for no, I'm a aware lot of people. Of, I'm aware of that. that. Stuff, I'm but, just, but I, I get your point that it's no, but here's my point. I don't know if you do get my point because it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately is like the idea of what life should be about and what our goals in life should be and should our goal we're going through a bunch of stuff with my dad right now that makes me think about this stuff a lot and it's like does our goal always need to be to live as long as we possibly can no does our goal need to be that we have to like punish ourselves for every unhealthy choice we make no i don't i i i just i have this issue uh, I don't know how to explain it, so I'm probably just going to cut all of this. But No, I think it's important what you're trying to say, and I get it. I... What I'm trying to say is that life is not uh, – life is life should not be about suffering and forcing ourselves to suffer all the time. And that's what I feel like we have done to ourselves, like with, our, with work, essentially. Like we have created a society that is based on – like where your merit is based on – how much you produce. Well, it's how much money you make. Yeah. It's not even how much you produce, but yeah, it or is. How much it's money, how productive you yeah, are. Yeah, how much you produce how for someone else to make money. How much money you're making for the, yeah. yeah, exactly, for the people who own the capital. Like, I'm talking about capitalism. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think another. I'm saying people should get to enjoy a fucking cigar without, yeah. you know what I mean? People and should. we've done a really good job of being able to, like, either legislatively cutting things out that bring people some joy, joy. and some, you know, I can't yes. think of another word for it, but some, just something pleasure. else in life, it's some pleasure. pleasure in life. And we've done a really good job medically of extending our lives, but we've done a really, really shitty job of making sure that the lives we're living while we're yeah, pulling all these pleasures living. out are worth living. And right. I think even more importantly for me right now, the things we're thinking about and talking about and dealing with a lot with your dad, yeah. like... We've done a really bad job of these lives that we've extended so unnaturally. Yeah. Of making them worth living. Yeah. Because. Well, and my dad, his life hasn't even been extended. He's not that old. He's only 73. But his life is absolutely not worth living. I mean, I will say that on this podcast. I wrote it in an essay that's going to come out soon, too. Like, I don't. He's living a life that is not worth living, yeah. honestly. He's changed a lot. He's not the same person he was and not in the way that like everyone should change and grow no no he's not no like he you can't has, have a conversation yeah. and you can't relate with him and he can't do anything by himself he can't i mean anyway it's yeah. a it's a whole thing and i don't know how exactly this conversation led to that but <laughs> i don't know i just i wish that i could fucking articulate what i'm trying to say better i just don't think i just don't i think that people I don't think our lives should be about toil and sacrifice and fucking misery. I just don't think that. I, and um, not that they should all be all about like gluttony and, and pure like pleasure all the time. But I think that people should indulge in the things that make them happy. That's what I think. Yeah. And this as long as shop. it doesn't make actually make you unhappy in the long run. That's the tricky part, right? The smoke shop in the film was like 
part of the community and a gathering place. And all these people hung out there yeah, and interacted. Exactly, and exactly. things happened there. Exactly. Yeah, which, yeah, that's the point of the movie, right? And yeah. he even says, like, that's why he takes these photos, because it's just, it's a corner like any other corner. Things happen here just like they happen yeah. anywhere else, you know? Um, there is a sequel to this movie as well called Blue in the Face. Oh, really? That is a... Like, it's more vignette It's more, like, little short stories that come up and are kind of woven. Is it's, it, like, coffee and cigarettes? Kind of, Jim yeah. Jarmusch it has that movie. feeling to me. That's um, also what I thought about a lot watching yeah. this. Yeah. And that's what I meant by, like, pretentious New York films of, mm-hmm. of that time. Mm-hmm. I feel like coffee and cigarettes was later, but it has that same feeling of, like, we're going to tell a bunch of little vignettes that are kind of... And I love Jim Jarmusch, and I love a lot of his films that are very similar mm-hmm. to this. Um, but Blue in the Face... I think would drive you nuts because mm. it's like less, it's more documentary style about certain neighborhoods. Like from what I remember of it, they have little vignettes that are fictional and then they do like deep dives on history and other mm-hmm. things around that area. And Lou Reed's in it. Um, it just feels very like, let's document New York because we're very important. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. yeah. New me. York is the center of the world and the only place where anything important happens. And yeah. I mean, there's they're not a lot wrong of, in ways, but they're no, also yeah, like. There's a lot of New York movies like that, yeah. though. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker is amazing, man. He, I just, he makes me instantly sad every time I see him, yeah. though, in anything, really. He just has that, he just has such a vulnerable way about him that. And like a, a weight. That he's carrying. He's always yeah, got this like yeah, burden yeah, right. or this pain and Yes, that's 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 what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You mocking me? You mocking me. I ain't gonna let no little punk kid come in and mock me. You mocking me? Well you like it or not? You mocking me, Cyrus? That's my name, Cole, just like yours. Now ask him who his mother was. <laughs> I like this. I like this one bit. Could you go upstairs for a second? I'll take care of this, all right? He's amazing. I I just, he's so, God, I feel like I use the word compelling way too much. What's another word for compelling? Interesting? Boring? (laughs) No, I'm saying the word (laughs) interesting is boring. (laughs) Anyway, whatever. He's very compelling. I I really like watching him. He's very powerful. Yes. Powerful is a good word. And I feel bad even saying that it, there were scenes that annoyed me in this with him because I love him so much and he's so good. Are you everything. talking about like when he blew up and got really upset that you thought not he was like overacting? Very, not at the end. There was another scene where he's like, he's kind of yelling and he's just mm. talking and like super anguished. Mm. And it just felt like a little much. Yeah. Like he was, he well, would, when he's trying to, to read the script and be true to every word that was written there and force out this emotion it just didn't match in one scene for me Mm -hmm. well again that i mean that to me that comes back to the fact that it feels like a play for some reason i don't know why but it but that's how plays plays are not you don't feel as authentic as a movie obviously you know yeah i don't feel like it was forrest whitaker's fault i felt like it was Mm -hmm. direction that he should have gotten different direction and they could have used a different take and it would have just like one little tweak and it would have been did we say so? Forrest Whitaker me. is Harold Perrineau's dad yeah. in the movie. His name's Cyrus, and the kid's name is Thomas. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know that I have a whole lot else to say about this movie. Um, I enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, William Hurt was okay. 
He's good. He's very good. I mean, I didn't, I thought everyone was very good. Yeah. I don't. Harvey Keitel's also fantastic. He's also yeah. another like just easy to watch person. Like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, there are those there are those people that you're drawn to mm-hmm. watch. I mean, Forrest Whitaker's like that as well. Um, for me, fuck man, do you have any jokes or anything? <laughs> no, I don't. You should say something funny. There was a one really funny moment that I thought in the film. There were a couple of funny moments, but I thought the funniest one for me was um, when Ruby comes back. She walks into Augie's smoke shop and he hasn't seen her in years. And she, he left for the war. They had like a little hot affair. And then mm, he tryst. left for the war and he came back and she had married some jerk in the neighborhood or something. And she said, You didn't write to me for over a year. What was I supposed to think? Yeah, well, I lost my pen. By the time I got a new one, I was clean out of paper. Just the way he said it. <laughs> yeah, that like, was funny. What the fuck was I supposed to that do? I really lost funny. my pen. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, and then I guess we could wrap this up with the story that he tells. We could basically just tell that story. I mean, a brief version yeah. of it. You want to tell it? Sure. Okay. So, Augie... Was chasing a shoplifter. Don't you think it'd be kind of funny if I tried to tell it though? Yeah. Why don't you paint us a picture? Paint us a word picture. I want to. I don't have you to describe anything. Okay. Or an easel. I'll just do it then. I got my paints right here. So Mm. it's 1970. I bet you do. (laughs) What's that? Ding dong. (laughs) Hello. Are those? (laughs) Is that just a note for you to put in some sound effects or something? No. 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 I just let. No, it's just, you know, you said you said that sexy thing, and I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead, All tell right. this stupid story. So I'm I will try to be quiet. Chasing a shoplifter. Psych. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Augie's carry chas- on. <laughs> oh my god, that was. I'm sorry. I just accidentally started talking at the same time you so started Augie's talking. So Augie's chasing a shoplifter, oh. and the kid drops his wallet. And so Augie picks it up. It's 1976, which he tells us for some reason. That's really important. Um, he picks it up and his address is in there on his license and there are a few photos. But there's no Not cash Augie's or anything. address because that would be really weird. No, it's But the clear. kid's address. It's the kid's, the shoplifter's. Well, I just want to make sure people understand. So he hangs onto the wallet for a while and he keeps thinking, I should return it to the kid. He looks at the pictures and he's like really touched that they're like pictures of him when he was little and pictures yeah. of his family and stuff. So he's not mad That's anymore. Sweet. He's just like, whatever, I should return the wallet. He sets it up on a shelf and forgets about it for a while. His Christmas plans fall through. He's all alone on Christmas Day, and he's like, I'm, I'm going to go return that wallet now. He's going to so, go do a good deed. Yeah. Yeah. So he takes the wallet, and he, to the address, um, it's in the projects, and he wanders around in the snow for a while looking for the right building. He finally finds it, and um, he rings the bell and rings and rings, and he's about to walk away, and this woman comes down, this elderly woman. She opens the door, and he asks if Roger is there and she says roger is that you and she's blind Mm -hmm. and so then he as she's reaching to hug him he she's well she's like i knew you'd come i knew you wouldn't forget your granny on christmas and and he just decides to go with it yeah so he hugs her they go upstairs she doesn't have much there so he goes out he gets some chicken and a can of soup and they make a little dinner together they drink some wine they hang out and he keeps telling these stories about, yeah, I'm working here and I'm doing this. And mm-hmm. they both know that he's lying and they're just playing along, but they, they're having a good time and they have some company. And so they just keep up the charade the whole time. 
She falls asleep. He does the dishes. And then he goes in the bathroom mm-hmm. before he's going to leave. And he sees this stack of brand new cameras in their boxes. Yeah. And he, as soon as he sees it, he says, I'm going to take one of those. Mm-hmm. So he steals this camera. Yeah. And he leaves, which the cameras were obviously stolen. Well, Roger stole them and was stashing them at Granny's house. Probably. I guess. I mean, but it sounded like she hadn't seen. Ro- I was confused by that because it sounded like she hadn't seen Roger in a really long time. Yeah. He so might have like, just, you know, you steal something, you go hide it for a while until the heat dies down, Jen. This is basic. Okay. I mean. Basic fencing shit. Okay. So he steals the camera. He leaves. He feels bad months later and he goes back. And she's not there anymore, and the person that's in the apartment doesn't know where she is. Well, that's so, right. He decides he's going to take it back. He hadn't even opened it yet. Yeah. So or he used it. spent her last Christmas. She spent her last Christmas with him. Right. Yeah. Um, and he kept the camera. And he kept obviously. the camera and started taking the pictures. That's the story. Yep. That's the story. It's a very sweet little story, and um, it really bothered me not knowing whether it was supposed to be true or not. And now I'm bothered not knowing if it really was true or not in real life. Did it actually happen, do you think? So Paul in the movie is sure that it's bullshit. And right. he tells Augie, right. he's like, you're one of the best like, he's at like, telling bullshit stories. He's like, bullshit really, is a real skill. Like, you're a great storyteller, basically. And Augie just kind of smiles and he's like, is it bullshit? And then the credits start. And we see a black and, and white just show the whole reenactment story. of the whole story we <laughs> like, just heard him tell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, we know. What, I thought there was going to be maybe some kind of surprise or twist or some signal that, yes, it really happened. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, there was, it just yeah. was, it was a little bit odd to me. And it's still unclear. Which, but I will again, say that the Paul grandmother Oster. was oh, yeah. the mom from the Cosby show. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Huxtable. Mrs. Huxtable, yeah. Yeah. So um, there's and that. We get to listen to a great Tom Waits song. Um, Did we during that? And that there was another one, or there maybe were it was a the couple same Tom Waits song. songs. Was, yeah, a couple of Tom Waits songs playing in the jukebox in a bar earlier in the mm-hmm. movie, and a couple of good old Tom Waits songs. I don't remember any other music. I don't either. Yeah, I it definitely wasn't noticeable if there was other music. Yeah. So that's it. That's smoke. That's smoke. Yeah. I mean, it's it's worth seeing. I think. It was definitely one of the artier films we've done. Yeah. Oh, the artiest by far. Well, don't Watermelon you think? Woman was pretty. Oh gosh, arty. I forgot about. You know, I have forgotten so many. Yeah. I mean, this is episode ninety-two or ninety-one. Yeah, this will be ninety-two, I believe. Episode ninety-two. So we've done. They're not all movies. Some have been TV, and we've done a mm-hmm. little bit of music, but um, it's a lot of stuff. And sometimes yeah. I forget. You know, I'd like. We should keep a list somewhere that's visible. That would be kind of cool to have a poster or something yeah. that has a collection of the things. But yes, Watermelon Woman was was already. I was also thinking about uh, Before Sunrise. Wait, is that what it's called? Yes, Before Sunrise. That was also very arty. Yeah, kind of. I mean. Another conversation movie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It had a sort of similar feel. Mm-hmm. And I actually loved that one. I really liked that one a lot. I was, um, I was pleasantly... I do Something. enjoy movies like that, but I also have trouble with the suspension of disbelief part sometimes because the dialogue is so not yeah. natural I, I at times. I just didn't really, I mean, I yeah, I do hear what you're saying. I think I'm just able to go with it. Yeah. When, when I see, I'm like, oh, this is, this is what this is. 
It's one of those movies. When I see Captain America fall from a building that's collapsing around him and land on his yeah, back. Yeah, you have no problem with no that. No problem yeah, with that. That's fine. He's yeah. a superhero. But, right, 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 right. But these are supposed but to be normal people. And they talk like philosophers. <laughs> oh, one thing Who got was, to write everything out first. One thing that was really sad to me was that Giancarlo Esposito's character at the beginning was talking about, he was like predicting war. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. He was like, yeah. mark my words, we're going to go to war. We will be at war mm-hmm. because the people in the Pentagon have no job unless they, you know, create conflict. The slobs and in now the they, Pentagon. Yeah. The slobs in the Pentagon, that's right. And then he's like, now they've got this guy Saddam over there. And yep. I was like, oh, fuck, dude, you have no idea how bad it's going to get. It, that was really sad to me. Yeah. That they were, yep, yeah, you're right on, dude. Yeah. War after war after war. So I had a question. Okay. Just because this film ends with a Christmas story, I was wondering what Christmas was like when you were in Montana. <laughs> Did you go home, Jen? <laughs> no. I think we've talked about this before, but um, again, there have been some, you know, 92 episodes. So uh, Christmas was... Tons of presents, a tree, <laughs> stuff like that. No. You woke no. up and had hot cocoa. I don't. No, 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 no. Um, we were allowed to receive two gifts. From home? From our families. And your families didn't come. They came for... One had to be something like homemade. Oh, right. I remember you talking about this. And we also made, I guess, like somehow made gifts that we sent home as well. Mm. What did you just ask? Oh, no. Yeah, no one came. No one was allowed to come to visit. No one went home at Christmas. Which I think, to be fair, I guess, um, there's a lot of dysfunction that happens in families right. around the holidays, you know? It'd be a like, bad time to send an addict home. I mean, lots of, dr- I mean, yeah. think about my family in the holidays, like, lots and lots of drinking. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember, I don't remember Christmas very well. Was I it remember just not being a really thing, sad. Really? Yeah. It was sad. It sucked. And no, it was a thing. I mean, like, I think we, I don't think we were like shoveling shit on Christmas. Mm. I think we did spend that day. I don't know. We probably did have to go ski somewhere though. I don't. And then lay face down and cry. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's very strange. I was there for two Christmases and I truly don't. Mm. I, th- I have an image of sitting in the lounge, which is where we had group every night and like opening a present. And I, I don't. And that's it. I don't remember. I think it just was kind of sad and empty and sad. But yeah, the holiday that people could come for was Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they decided that. But yeah, so families could come for that. That was the only time besides graduations where like everybody's families were invited Mm -hmm. to come visit at once. So yeah, sorry. That's uh, disappointing. I don't really remember a whole lot. No, but I think it's... It's telling that there aren't many memories. Like, it wasn't a big yeah. deal. They just kind of made, like, you got the day off from shoveling shit or digging I think, holes. I, I mean, I might even be wrong about that. But I I don't, yeah, I think it was, I guess, like, I don't remember it being awful or anything. So I think that they did sort of, I think it did feel, probably the first year was awful, mm-hmm. awful. And I think the second year I'd been there long enough and was like... You knew what to expect and you... Yeah. And I think it did by then feel like home more. I and mean, not home, but like I was... You didn't want to go home at that point and be yeah. exposed to that kind of yeah. environment. 
Yeah. Um, Not that you didn't want to go home. You probably wanted to go home every day. But but... yeah. But although interestingly, my mother was um, sober at that time, Hmm. which is funny now. But uh, yeah, like I was close, you know, the the girls there were my family Mm -hmm. at the time. Like, so... There was comfort in that, I think. That's what, I mean, I do think there was, there was a little bit of comfort that was not common there that I think I experienced maybe Hmm. the second Christmas at least, but I can't tell you exactly why. What were some of the homemade gifts you got? Do you remember those? I do actually. One of them is a picture frame with pictures in it that I still have. Well, it's at my dad's, my dad has it now. But it's a little picture frame of pictures of me and my brother as kids. and Yeah. I love it. You've always had that, like, ever since I've known you. It's yeah. always been, like, by your bed. It was really special to me. Like, and I, Yeah, prominent. That, I have always kept it. And then I think the other... I don't remember if this was a Christmas gift or just something that they sent me another time. But they sent me a cassette tape of me as like a two and a half year old oh, really? singing songs and stuff which i wish i still had i don't oh man i i it's so cute that's adorable i have I one of be me walking on the world <laughs> all the year young day and i sing that song twice oh it's it was so cute i sing um peanut sat on a railroad track oh i know i've heard it hmm. toot toot peanut butter <laughs> yep yeah. That would be cute. You think your parents have it somewhere? No. Anywhere? I no. don't know what happened to it. So I guess we're going to wrap this up. Uh, what are we doing next week, Micah? Do you know? I don't know. I think that what we might do next is the Brady Bunch movie, y'all, <laughs> because I don't know why. I just know it's a thing on our list, and yeah. it will be It's one that keeps coming so up, and we great. keep being like, uh, I don't know. Oh, I can't wait. I love the Brady Bunch. It's going to be amazing. We were also, maybe people should let us know on Twitter. Um, We have talked about doing the Brady Bunch. We also looked, um, after we heard the news of William Hurt passing, we looked at his... Oh, God, that's right. Yeah. Am I saying that right? What'd you say? 100% not. Not saying it again. No, say it again. Oeuvre. 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 Very good. (laughs) <laughs> we can just put in like we'll just edit in like a fluent French speaker saying it every time mm-hmm. that I say it. It'll be really funny. Mm-hmm. It'll be better than me trying to say it. People enjoy that more. But I feel like people say oeuvre or something like that, don't they? Yeah, I think so. That's what I was or trying oeuvre. to say. Anyway. And now it doesn't sound like anything. It's like <laughs> Yeah. It's not. It's all vowels. But no, he has several movies. Yeah, but they all sounded from our time period painfully unwatchable no i don't i disagree there's jane Eyre. well jane Eyre is the one we talked about doing and then we would do emma after that oh yeah emma because we talked about doing emma a long time ago yeah with, because clueless with, uh, is like an name? updated with paltrow and emma oh maybe we'll do that instead of the brady bunch movie we'll just keep putting that one off so yeah i don't know let we'll us do, know those are on twitter what do you guys up. think um yeah and also brady it, bunch movie or jane Eyre and emma or just emma i don't need to watch jane Eyre. No, but there was another William Hurt. There's a couple other William Hurt movies. There's one where he's Welsh and he adopts a boy. Yes, and there's the one with um, John Travolta. Oh, God. John Travolta plays the angel. Michael? I don't think I can watch that. Oh, I'm dying to watch that. Oh, my God. It would be so funny. John Travolta plays this, like, uncouth angel. Angel. Yeah. And he has long hair. He has actual wings. Oh, it looks so great. 
One last thing before we wrap up, too, is we um, relaunched our Patreon, uh, which we did back in the day when we were consistently making our podcast. And since we're doing that again, we started again. So if you were a patron before, you will start getting charged again. Uh, at the beginning of each month. If you need to remove your pledge, we completely understand and there will be no hard feelings. So this isn't really us asking for money. It's warning people we're about to take your money. So stop us, (laughs) please, if you don't want to give us money. Well, you didn't let me finish because (laughs) I was about to say, if you would like to become a patron, uh, we would love you forever. And that would be so amazing if you want to um, financially support what we're doing here. And there are different levels and there are rewards. You might have access to outtakes on Patreon and some other funny stuff that we'll try to put up there. You send a postcard. You get to pick an episode topic. And by the way, if anyone out there has, if you have rewards that we have not gotten to you yet, please do let us know uh, because we need to take care of that. So anyway, yeah, become a patron. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. Or not. Or just tell someone about this show or write a review or just keep living your fucking life and, you know, (laughs) do what you want to do. Smoke a fucking cigar, you know? Yeah. Life is short and also long. Go smoke a cigar in a public place. Yeah. And enjoy it. All right. Well, I think that does it for us. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate all of you out there. And yeah, let us know you're out there. If you're listening, Tweet at us or uh, let us know on our Facebook group or something. Because, you know, it's weird just talking into the void. Yeah, although Jen loves that. She does it. She has another podcast. Did we tell people about it last week where she just recites 80s movies? Um, Actually, She's no. She's the only listener. Last so. week was when we came up with that idea. <laughs> and I thought about it all week and how much I want to do it. and not just 80s movies i want to do it with like arrested development episodes i want to see how much i could recite from you know by heart oh that'll be so much fun for other people oh no it would be awful absolutely (laughs) awful it would just be fun for me to do make sure you record it a hundred percent yeah (laughs) yeah don't worry so then you can listen back to yourself and critique yourself yeah no i mean we talked about this i will be the I will be the one fan okay. of my own <laughs> you can set up podcast a Patreon for yourself. I recite movies that have already been done and the lines have been said much better and in, in the right way. And but by I'll, different actors. Yeah, exactly. But mm. I'm going to go ahead and make it worse, much, much worse. And I will just enjoy it. So look so much. on wherever you get your podcast. Look yeah. for Jen Recites Movies. Yeah. Or Ooh, whatever. Jen Recites Movies is a called. great title. You like that one? Yeah, I like that. I thought we'd workshop it a little bit if you're happy with no, that. No, I think we should. Jen Recites something. Jen Recites. Maybe just Not Jen, Jen Recites. No. We'll, 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 uh, we will workshop it. Okay. But we'll until do that on our time. But until then, thank you to Grandma Cray for our artwork. Thank you to Fifi Folios for our internet stuff. Thanks to Minus Violet for our music. Until next time, see, see you in the, the 90s. 90s. And it's such a sad old feeling All the fields are soft and